International. yourselves a round of applause for being here. Oh, you're already back. We're going we're gonna to do a whole thing where we started without you, but I guess we did. Uh, this is easy. This is so great, because now I don't even have to really um, post at all, because there's just six of y'all. If that doesn't feel like I'm sliding you, um, unless you want me to like sound peppy and stuff, but I hate that. Oh, man. Sorry. Sorry, Batman. Or Robert. Yeah, Batman's not here. Batman's not here. Um... Would it be possible for the lights to be a little lower? Is that okay with you? Is it okay mm-hmm. with you if we have to see them? I like the lighting to be like I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> which is in complete silence with all the lights off alone. Is that how you do it? Do you like give full attention to podcasts? Every Sunday I go into a room that has blacked out windows. Oh, Ira Glass's voice comes on. Mm-hmm. And it's not this American life. <laughs> it's an interview with Ira Glass. That's how I get ready to listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Listen to an hour of him talking about podcasts. Podcasts. Then I'm ready for other stuff. Hey, I would listen to that. Probably exists. Does he it have does. a master class or something? Yeah, I think he's like you know spoken at colleges and things. Oh yeah. I follow him on the road like the Grateful Dead. He probably makes more money from those colleges than he does with that podcast with the public radio. Huh? He literally does, and he talks about that. Yeah. He refused. He's never asked for a raise. This is going to be a lot about Ira Glass. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> Um, hey, there was no description of the podcast in, in the pamphlet, so we can do what we want. <laughs> yeah, because he asks for donations, he w- feels like it would be unethical of him to like give himself a raise. Hmm. So then he makes his money doing speeches independently of that to keep those separate. That's which I nice. respect. Yeah, I respect. I, although, I mean, he probably has like enough money where it's easier to make those decisions. That would be my guess. I bet, I bet that's true. I know he has enough money to care for that dog that should die. You, you remember that episode? Wow. Did anyone hear the episode with Ira where he has this dog who he has to feed like specialty like kangaroo meat that he imports every... Okay, well, not everyone listens to as much This American Life as I do. The way to be a comedian, fine. kill dogs. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, I don't... <laughs> I don't love dogs the way that other people do. And that's why you can't star in that movie with Janine Garofalo. Which movie is that? Must Love Dogs. Oh. Nope. There it is. Nope. I could be the villain. I don't know the plot. That's true. Me either. Um, all right. Well, we only have so much time, so I do want to... 
move on from these ridiculous bits? Well, I'm just afraid of offending. You know, I know a lot of people love dogs, especially in this city. It's not especially, a popular... Especially Janine Garofalo. And Janine Garofalo, who I met a few months ago. Lovely. Apparently, she wears a wig, um, which is interesting. This guy messages me on Twitter every other week, just saying either what's up or what was the last Janine Garofalo movie you saw or some random question and thank about you for finally having me on your podcast oh is that you yeah oh, oh. <laughs> what a treat what what a, uh, yeah well there's takes all kinds but he, she's got some real fans real fans out there anyway I once tweeted something about if you want this uh, someone to message you about Janine Garofalo every other week all you have to do is tweet once about Janine Garofalo <laughs> and you have got a new follower so hot tip for everyone all right guys uh, can we well let's do this can we have a round of applause for our guest Ian Abramson for coming on thank you wow Thank you so much. It's so generous uh, of you to answer our questions. Um, we're all... Clap if you're an aspiring comedian. Yeah, I'll clap. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, all right. I didn't know, I didn't know that about some of you. <laughs> uh, cool, but yeah, so this podcast is all about comedy career advice. If you haven't listened to it before, I haven't found any podcasts when I started comedy that were about like how to actually build a career not write a joke um you know or not or the of, craft the actual work of it the actual work and and there's there are like gatekeepers a great podcast there's some there's some podcasts out there but there, it's almost like there's some that are farther along in your career it's like oh once you've already done a bunch of these like this is kind of for people who are in their first several years who haven't quit their day job yet um who are trying to figure this out um so that's where we're at so let's start with this when and where did you start doing stand-up pass Okay. I'm just kidding. Did you, I, <laughs> when and where did I start doing comedy? Was that your question? Well, I was going to say, I was going to say stand pass up, no matter what you said. I'm sorry. Yeah. As soon as stand up came out of my mouth, like a lot of times when I ask this question, a lot of people started doing comedy in some other way before they officially did stand up. So how, wh- whatever it is for you, did you start doing stand up right away or is there like a silly? No, the, um, maybe this will answer a lot of follow up questions as well. I went into college wanting to be a novelist. Um, <laughs> Probably, like, I loved Stephen King. I thought maybe a horror novelist, but I also liked things like John Updike, and I thought maybe I'd be a serious novelist. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what that meant then, (laughs) and luckily I don't have to know what it means now. So, uh, I, in general didn't take to college as well as some of my peers. Um, I think I wanted to be doing things. I wanted to be writing. I wanted to be trying to make things. And um, my experience in college wasn't that... uh, My college was very new, and so I... um, There weren't a lot of opportunities necessarily to do that. The gift of that was that I had to make my own opportunities, but I'm still getting away from the answer to your question. Okay, from novelist, I said, I don't want to be an English major anymore. What will I not drop out as? I can study theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. <laughs> <laughs> what will I not drop out as? Yeah. That's a great way to pick a major. Yeah, I love it. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, it was very important to my parents that I finished school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, not loving it, but I knew I could get through four years of theater. Um, 
So, I, yeah, I thought maybe a playwright, maybe a screenwriter. And back then I was saying, like, okay, I'm willing to write anything. And thinking that if I cast the widest net possible, then that's the way to success. Uh, based on nothing, really. It was just kind of my guess on the world. And it turns out I think I was completely wrong. Opposite, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, what slowly helped me was realizing that the more specific you get, the easier it might be to figure out a job that is right for you and then maybe make that job more attainable. Mm -hmm. So um, I got really into vaudeville studying theater. I also studied... Um, there were, it was a very, very small theater program. So it's not like we saw a lot of plays or did a lot of plays, but we studied a lot of like experimental uh, um, performance art and things like that. The sort of thing that you see that gets made fun of a lot and rightfully made fun of, but also it, it can be really good and um, is like a... Something that I, I, I found interesting, just that, that you write your own stuff, you perform it. I liked that, and that's what I liked about vaudeville too. I, when I found, I, when I kind of just started reading about vaudeville, I was like, they would go up every night for years and just work on these five minutes. And I said to my advisor, not thinking about stand up. Stand up was in my head yet. I just had coffee, and the cap. When I feel the caffeine <laughs> kick in, I suddenly feel like I'm speaking louder and too fast, and the world is slowing down. And I'm feeling that right now. So if you listening at home. Please tweet at me and tell me it was obnoxious. Okay. You're doing great. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, uh, I was saying to my college advisor, what I want to do is I want to write and I would love to just perform what I'm writing every day so I can slowly try to get better <laughs> at it. That just sounds like a dream. Vaudeville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she said like vaudeville is gone. Like she knew that I was referencing vaudeville. She was like, it's done. Do you get what? It, it's been gone for a hundred years. What do you think is going to happen? But she didn't know. She didn't, it didn't occur to her to think of stand up. No. And I, I, get from her perspective why you wouldn't want to steer a student <laughs> I know what you should do to make money in life <laughs> it uh, I mean I think it, it shares a lot of history and um, a lot a lot of the approach approach can be pretty similar for theater and comedy but I uh, the but I, I think a uh, I'd be surprised if a theater professor would have stand-up at the forefront of their mind. True. I don't know why they would. Yeah. Um, but then I... A friend put on an open mic for singing and was like, oh, you're funny. You should try to tell some stories or something. And I did a little bit of that. And I started... I read And Here's the Kicker by Mike Sachs, which is just a collection of interviews uh, with comedy writers and people. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. That really opened up my eyes to this whole world of comedy. This is still in college? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the idea of comedy just kind of started entering my head more of like, oh, there's a way to write comedy for a living. Um great book if you're uh, and here's the kicker and then he also a few years later came out with poking a dead frog both are incredible compilations of interviews with comedy writers that are like really in depth probably more about the craft but also a lot of this stuff where it's mm -hmm. like oh there's a, this is real this is there's a way that people do this there's some kind of a path mm -hmm. and 
I knew I was like, okay, where can I go to? Um, I have heard a number of comedians say that starting in LA is not a good idea. Yeah. And so I took that advice and started looking at other places that I could move to start trying to do comedy. And I moved to Chicago. And so you moved to Chicago specifically to do comedy. Yes. Like right out of college. Yes. Cool. Yeah. With my friend Tim Barnes, and we knew we wanted to do comedy i didn't know if that would be improper stand-up i took to i just after like a year i realized i was taking the stand-up more than improv Thank so God. <laughs> you know. Sorry, and then i went back people. to improv and that's how i make ah. my living yeah right well hey hey and that was an improv thank you wow improv right. and scene <laughs> yeah life is improv i get it <laughs> life is stand-up but you know yeah, making a career out of improv is, is a different uh, animal. Um, so, yeah, well, that's so, that's so great. So how old are you now? I am 29. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I hate it when people are younger <laughs> than me. I turn 30 next month. Well, so if you release this podcast after that, I'll be a liar. Okay. Well, then we'll make sure to do that. Great. Um, cool. Man, you're 29. Well, oh, that's so like, uh, you're, I'm always just jealous of people. I didn't, I ran away from doing stand up until I was 27. So. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. It's too late. Okay. It's different for everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm going to skip therapy next week now. It's fine. That's all <laughs> I needed. So the you, one thing as a comedian, always skip therapy. Yeah. That is not true. I was going to say, that's the opposite yeah, of the advice we've right. gotten on a lot of, a yeah. lot of people who <laughs> brought up great. going to therapy yeah. on this podcast, actually. Yeah, therapy's great. They're like, I waited until I was really old to start going to therapy. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. And I'm like, okay, it's very expensive. Um, so you started in Chicago, and this is uh, eight-ish years ago. So not really, oh God, that's only 2010. So how was the scene then? In Chicago, starting in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, wonderful. I mean, I'm incredibly biased, and it is uh, totally romanticized in my head. Mm-hmm. But that said, it's the greatest place. I love it, and I love the comedy scene there. Um, I think that places like Austin and uh, Portland and Denver, Atlanta, there are definitely other scenes other than L.A. and New York that um, are great to come up with. But I came up in Chicago, so I'm going to talk as if Chicago is the best, knowing that that is a bias. I just want to put that out there. Sure. Yeah, that I don't think that other places suck. Just that no, you listed I love a lot of experience. good cities. So I've been in Chicago, and they were open. Like uh, some people talk about there being a great scene, but it's harder to start there. Or people are in Chicago. Not. No, no, no. Like, I, I would. I feel like Chicago. If anything, it always sounds like the friendliest place to start. Yeah, uh, that's comedy. us. Maybe. That, yeah, y'all are just projecting. Y'all are all good at PR. That's what it is. <laughs> Everyone's like Chicago's the greatest. Yeah, that's, they, that's, that's every time Chicago comes up in the news, it's about how great it is. It really is. <laughs> Ira Glass says it's his favorite city in the whole world. I remember that, too. I really do listen to a lot of this in my life. Um, even the reruns sometimes. No, I don't. So... I do. You, how long were you in Chicago? About three years. Okay. And then what was the next move after that? I moved to L.A. Uh, yeah. Okay. I... Um, it's different for everybody, uh, but... Mm, it, I felt like I was ready to move and should move at that point. Mm-hmm. That's just what my experience was. How did you decide that it was time to move? I got a manager and I, uh, it was just like, well, okay, like I think that um, now's the time to try to 
really get started doing that. Well, then how what led to you getting a manager? Man, the, we're, uh, we're working backwards in the weirdest way because there's so many steps right. where it's like, uh, the reason I got a manager is because in middle school, I once, you know, like... It's, it's a Kill like, a Mockingbird version yeah. of let's figure out how you got a manager. Right, right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it turns out I'm also Boo Radley. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Getting a manager. Yes, thank you. I was going through different Boo Radley bits, none of which I wanted to do. And I was like, get out <laughs> like, of my head! I have so many Boo Radley bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. Uh, it's the coffee. It makes me go in five directions at once. Um, Don't do drugs. <laughs> I really should not. Yeah, I. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, other people. Other people seem to uh, do okay with it. I just know for me, I. It would oh, do you me. not do? Let's take a tangent. I don't. You don't do anything besides caffeine. Correct. Alco- yeah. Alcohol. I, not even. No, I cigarettes. don't even really drink. No, no. no. So none of the. Typical I eat poorly coffee. and I do caffeine. Yeah. I do a lot of caffeine. Food is a drug. Thank you so you much. Know, yeah, you know, that's, that's true. That's still pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So is love. Yeah. Yeah. True. So sources of dopamine. Anyway, okay. So yeah. So you shouldn't. You shouldn't do. This okay, podcast what? is a source of dopamine. Makes me feel good. You know what I mean. So glad. All right. Um, I'm gonna quote you on that. <laughs> this podcast is. A I'm gonna. Source I'm gonna guess you'll be able to get a better quote than that. But yeah. uh, if you're welcome to use that, if Thank you want. Um, yeah. If you want to go on that tangent, caffeine. Like I feel like I can't really function fully without it. I don't feel like I'm at a hundred percent with it, yeah. but then I love it. I love feeling high like this, yeah. this caffeine. It's, it's hit me hard. I feel like yeah. on edge in a beautiful way right now. Because you don't do harder drugs. Mm-hmm. Caffeine has that effect mm-hmm. on you. So exactly. There yeah. you go. Lesson learned everyone. All these drug addicts out here. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty healthy looking crowd. I'm actually. friends with many drug addicts and they're doing just fine. I'm just uh, saying for we me. We try. <laughs> Uh, okay, wait. So, yes, getting a manager. Mm-hmm. Somehow we got to Boo Radley from that. Okay. It's weird. I'll tell you exactly how I... The the things that kind of led to me getting mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest takeaway, I hope, is that it's one, different for everybody. Exactly. Uh, two, you have to work really hard. But three, luck is absolutely tied into as it. with literally everything in a comedy career though, right those exactly mm-hmm. yeah so i just i i don't i don't feel like this is a road map no so much as no, no. that's why it's called leading the blind it's like no we're all wandering in different paths and yeah so right. yeah and that's uh, people who listen to this podcast know we go over that every time in fact you'll now be added to a little compilation clip i'm making of people going like well my thing's not for everyone great okay on a scale of uh one to ten how am i um how much more self-conscious about <laughs> this am, am i than others um you're probably right at the same level all comics are about the same level self-conscious about this it okay seems. great mm-hmm. that was a very diplomatic answer <laughs> um okay so for me i was doing stand-up i was starting to get shows um and from there i started producing shows with friends and from there I was like oh I think I have some ideas for shows that I want to do just myself I want to um, 
the first one I did was like a fake funeral and I, I yeah put on like a whole funeral uh, for a prop comic that I said was 120 years old and um, I got the show sponsored by a pizza place and just like made it a big weird event where people gave eulogies to this man with an impossibly long always life always the same man it was it, I just did the show once oh, it was a okay. one off because you don't have more than one funeral for someone well, I don't know I yeah. treated it like a real yeah. funeral people showed up in suits and stuff nice yeah it was wow. very fun uh, so I really enjoyed trying to think of things like that to do where yeah. it was just like okay I uh, it's not stand up and I didn't want it to necessarily feel even like a traditional comedy show I just wanted it to kind of be its own weird thing it definitely feels like you know people like you who started in some adjacent field like bring that with you so the fact that you spent that time studying theater and vaudeville like mm-hmm. thinking that way led to you being like what that's so theatrical the audience is now coming in suits everybody's coming you know what I mean you have this whole situation you have a a, a a plot you know mm-hmm. what I mean so right yeah I also I worked in summer camps for five years which was a big influence on mm-hmm. all of this it's like you mix vaudeville experimental theater and summer camp there's here always I am. experimental theater and summer camps mm-hmm. there's always some kind of like yeah summer you camp have is the t- purest form of experimental theater uh, yeah that's so funny that's so interesting I'm putting on a summer camp at the end of September I, I'm gonna take my uh, Mormon girls camps less for granted now from that's now on. great I'm sure they were formative for me mm-hmm. good cool you've helped heal some childhood wins great All right. mm-hmm. um, okay so you're producing these shows you're doing these really cool shows and figuring out how to make those work yeah 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 and uh those were well attended and um next i did a court case um and just it just kind of what i i tried to i wanted it to creatively be um as much as like push that as far as i could but i also tried really hard to learn how to promote a show and how to produce a show and how to get as good as i could at those things because those are very much skills that you can learn you can learn how to promote you can learn how to like i getting the show sponsored was very helpful i got free pizzas out of it it added a stamp of legitimacy even though it was just a pizza place sure it just made it look like it was more legitimate somehow now this is this is a fun little nitty-gritty question when Mm -hmm. you got sponsored how did you go about getting sponsored i i emailed them Mm -hmm. Uh, i a lot of places a lot of local businesses are looking they they have outreach people to try to um get involved in the community in one way or another and so i just took a shot at like okay here's how i can justify in a real way like take trying to take this seriously and saying to myself okay i have a fake funeral show how can i frame this to a pizza place so that they'll give me something for free you know uh, and so i i just said and and i said i even in the email said like even if you don't want to give pizza or, or donate or anything i would love to just like use your name like whatever whatever i can wow. do yeah i mean like i'll take nothing even you just say you sponsor me I w- yeah and i would do that in a heartbeat today sure. i think yeah the the yeah, fact, it's better than nothing yeah. right demos in chicago they were so nice to do that and they were like kind of a, a cool pizza place that people knew mm-hmm. and people i i was trying to like build buzz for the show like what is this it's like a funeral what are you talking about and then when i was when i was able to say this show is officially sponsored by demos 
emails, people yeah. were like, wait, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And that's what, that was a, that's a gift. If you can get that, then that's, that's great. Yeah. So finding odd angles to promote shows was very helpful. Um, emailing anybody that seemed relevant whatsoever my the, for the first show i was emailing the head of theater departments at colleges in chicago which is embarrassing because yeah. what what why what were they going to do but that was like how i learned how to build what i realized is called a press release mm-hmm. which is just what you're sending out to potential press people um but like that was my my first kind of shotgun attempt at that like facebook message email whatever i can do to anybody whether they're relevant or not um just just kind of it, almost like freeing myself up from because there's part of your voice especially as a stand-up that says like oh that's stupid and you know what it is that's like it's i'm embarrassed i am genuinely embarrassed that i sent those emails mm-hmm. but it was very helpful and i did learn and like it really helped the show and it helped future shows learning how to do that and did it hurt you in any way no no this i'm i'm shaming myself right here but it, but it's uh, what I, i'm doing that to prove like yes that is a little like ooh, is, is, that, is that a little much but <laughs> yeah. uh it also became a useful skill and the i wouldn't discourage that impulse mm-hmm. if that makes sense totally anyway um so you're slowly back to the road of manager yes. we're getting there mm-hmm. uh so in the scene of Chicago, it was like, oh, Ian sometimes does these weird shows. Um, and then I could sometimes get little write-ups for them and things like that. And uh, I kept trying. I, I was getting more shows just as a stand-up, just, just as my stand-up. I think like the biggest part of becoming a stand-up comedian is trying to get as good at stand-up as you can. Preferably. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to forget that. You don't want to get too focused on this other stuff. It's mm-hmm. a press release is never more important than being funny. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be the person that's better at that than yeah. the other thing, unless what you want to be is a producer In which or case, a promoter. Thank you for your work. Right. You know? Truly. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the most beneficial things I did was find a guy in Chicago. We found each other. Uh, his name is Matt Byrne. And we started producing shows together because he had no interest at all in performing Beautiful. at all. Mm-hmm. And he liked thinking in those same sort of ways of like, wait, how can we, you know, just kind of like trying to find a fun, clever angle ways to uh, partner with people and do things. And he's also very good at uh, letting me be a crazy creative and then pulling it together so that it makes sense, you know? I don't think that I have a super organized mind, but Mm -hmm. producing requires that. And it takes all of my energy to do that on my own, to sit down and plan out a show. I can do it, but it takes me a long time and all of my energy. I don't feel like I'm equipped for that. And he is very much equipped for that. So finding somebody Mm -hmm. that I meshed with personality-wise... Um, that really wanted to do that. He went to school for 
um, like music touring, I think. Like oh, he, cool. he wanted to be part of that world of uh, like the Little Mermaid. He wanted to be uh, help musicians tour, and he he hadn't found his first job in that. And he was like, oh, what if I just did kind of the same thing Overcoming. with a comedian? Yeah, and. It was this perfect match. We we meshed really well. And it's funny because the first time we met, I was thinking like, oh, you know what? Uh, I, I like this guy. I don't know what we'll do together. I only know how to do this on my own at this point. So I said, um, okay, I have this idea kind of an experiment that I just kind of been thinking about if we can figure out a way to do it we can do that together um, and I explain like it's interesting to me that a comedian speaks to an audience and the audience responds or doesn't respond and either way that's kind of a communication between them very pretentious experimental theater thought but I, I thought what if what if you took one side of that away that was just interesting to it's me like the, the comedian away you know <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah that. right yeah and that's when I quit so I no, but I, I said, what if the comedian was performing in a separate room mm -hmm. and we built this show called Seven Minutes in Purgatory where a comedian performs in a camera to one room and the audience is in a separate room. So you did build that in Chicago. I did. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And we did that in a small improv space called the Upstairs Gallery, which was just known for being kind of like the alt experimental improv space in Chicago at the time. Um and you can still if you watch Tommy McNamara's set of that on YouTube I'm pretty sure that's up um, that's like he was the very first person to do it so you're right like I did a host set and then he did it the first time um, nice. so yeah that's like the, the first time that was ever done uh, with us we uh, and then that show we decided to do it again pretty quickly because people were curious what was that going to be like this either sounds like a good idea or a horrible idea i true truly because my mind was just thinking of it as an experiment mm -hmm. i wasn't i was almost initially offended at people being like that's torturous and i was like what why why is that what what i'm just i'm just having them perform where they can't hear anything and they might be bombing what's so bad about that you know yeah. <laughs> and but it really hadn't occurred to me that that was like oh man <laughs> i think about doing that and i'm like good lord that's that yeah, sounds it's, horrible it's weird it, but, it, it is weird. I feel like because I'm a more conversational comic, it's just like that's the worst. If you a one-liner <laughs> comic, at least you can just tell the jokes. But I'm like, I can't just sit there and say these things. I mean, ugh. the fun though. Is, uh, this is so off track. Now I'm just talking about that show, but mm -hmm. uh, it would be so Seven fun to watch you just say your thoughts about what you're feeling in that that's moment, true. and that gets the biggest laughs of people yeah. just being like, like <laughs> every show, somebody will just pause for a second and just be like. I hate this. And it just gets this huge <laughs> laugh in the room that they can't hear because yeah, you just right. <laughs> see how raw and genuine that is. Yeah. So it's, it's very, um, it's fun and weird. And <laughs> I don't know. It, it really just started out of this idea of doing a little experiment. Yeah. Just one of your various funeral. And then, you, you know, right. And you're just yeah. like, well, okay, this one. And so Matt Byrne and I really decided to try to take that seriously. And after we did two, we were like, let's take this on the road. Let's figure out how we can, how oh, we so can you do didn't, this. You didn't make it into a monthly show in Chicago or whatever. You were, you were, after two shows, you're like, let's take it on the road. That's interesting. Part of our plan 
I don't think I've said this on a podcast. I'm so embarrassed. I'm self-conscious of this sort of thought, but it's like, I think that it's good. Stand-ups shouldn't be afraid of uh, trying to build something. They shouldn't be afraid of like, uh, you you don't want your ambition to take over your life, but you you shouldn't be afraid of like, uh, it might be stupid if I take this too seriously. You have to have ambition to do any of this, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that stand-ups also get in their head because, I mean, so much of stand-up is like making fun of the sincerity of taking something seriously. But then you also, you kind of have to take that seriously. You have to take this career seriously if you want it to be a career. Right. Right. So part of Matt, Matt and I would talk about like, you know what, rather than doing a monthly show, the point of a monthly show is to build this recurring audience. We wanted an event. We wanted a circus to pop up every now and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, like we I I did when I said I did uh, really when I was in Chicago I did a funeral a court case and a wedding with seven minutes in purgatory in between those were the three show oh I did a speed dating event too uh, that set up the wedding but like I didn't do a lot of these you know Um, I tried to make them like so you did a speed dating that was also a comedy like, yeah, speed dating was that, that was just like a um, fundraiser. For <laughs> <laughs> Everybody did a lot of speed. Just a regular speed and then, dating. Uh, no, the, uh, there was basically an inner circle of characters and an outer circle of audience members. Oh, so then that. you would spend two minutes with a character thirty times. That's so great. I mean, oh, go on. When I was in like kindergarten or something, I remember we too had young to, to be dating. Yeah, well, we we did this thing where like I remember I st- I we, everyone picked a famous you know historical figure like I picked Thomas Jefferson I learned about him and then I was Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. I had a little outfit and when people would come up to me and talk to me and it's like that's the same thing and you just are like oh let's or yeah there's all kinds of weird experimental theater shows kind of like that but then you were like well let's make it a comedy speed dating thing that'll lead to a wedding that's wonderful anyway that's all I just want to say that's wonderful thank you yeah I like to um, <laughs> something along the lines of like why would you go to that length to do that uh, is what I try to have my comedy be. Um, <laughs> you want that question yeah. to be applicable. Was that worth it? Is another way to put that. Um, well, but sure so, but Matt and what we if somebody were, like literally found love? You know, not just for your thing, but <laughs> we, we actually fell in love in the speed dating thing. That would be beautiful. Like Didn't happen, it, but it would be that great. That you know of. That you know Fair of. enough. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Two of the people that were characters are married, I think. There you go. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so... Okay, so you've taken uh, seven minutes of purgatory on the road. So I first I took it to Atlanta mm-hmm. as like a kind of experiment of how this would work on the road. Mm-hmm. And Matt and I, we but we said specific like we we planned this out. We said like yes, it would be great to eventually tour this. Let's do this once on the road. I had a friend in Atlanta, John Michael Bond, who was like, "That sounds like a cool show. You should come here and do it." Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know John Michael Bond? Is that I'm that like, face? I know that I know that name at least. Great, all, very funny comedian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he helped me. Oh, is he? Does he do Star Wars? Never mind. Yeah, he lives in LA now, but um, I know when I did Star Bar, it was because of him. So he yeah. must have okay. connections there. Word, word, word. Anyway. I. Uh, just in case he's listening, I want him to know that I sort of. In case know you're who listening, we miss you. Come home. Yeah. Uh, he's the best. So we took it to Atlanta, and that was just Tim and I. Matt didn't go on the road um, because then it's like extra expenses for a guy that's not performing. Yeah. Uh, but he was 
quintessential and quintessential essential essential not quintessential he wasn't five times essential he was but he was essentially essential person yes right yeah (laughs) he was the quintessential him uh so he uh he he was huge in helping me wrap my head around how you do all this and he had gone to school for this part of it too so he was great at having a vision for that and he would say things like oh like let's just like make a really nice poster and you can sell that as merch and then like the next time you can come you can have a different poster and it can be like a a cool thing he had like great ideas like that i'm gonna go hang around the college and just see if i can poach some people (laughs) you know that's great it's so simple but it's stuff like that that you're like oh right yeah we should absolutely be doing that yeah it's 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 great um and it's like you you just have to allow your brain to go there i think Mm -hmm. if you you it kind of takes removing some roadblocks but just like thinking in that way of like wait how can i try to promote this what if i just tried to email radio stations that sounds desperate why not you know like let yourself be a little desperate you're trying to do whatever you can uh, and then if you go, if you're, if, if all you find is this weird little way to promote it, then you can just find a creative way to take advantage of that to your advantage. And you post that and it's like fun, like turn a Craigslist ad, you posting a Craigslist ad into a promotion for your oh show. Oh my God, that's you so know? smart. <laughs> I, have never, I have never put more stars beside notes than oh, I'm taking wow. during someone's interview. So uh, but I, I, it's really just like letting your brain go there you know mm-hmm. like that's uh, that's very kind of you to say that mm-hmm. but it's like once once you start thinking like oh what if I just tried to find a different way to promote I this? this like every day you should have a what if like you know people are like do your 10 mm-hmm. minutes of writing or do whatever it's like what, every day you have your what if thing your what if challenge you know what I mean come mm-hmm. up with something that's worthy of that what if I do this and do that that's gonna be my new thing cool love it love it love it <laughs> <laughs> I told you, this podcast is all for me. If other people get stuff out of it, all, all the better. <laughs> um, okay, so do we, we're, we're almost to the manager? or <laughs> Kind of. What kind am of? I doing? I know you're doing great. Um, so this has all been very useful. So as long, if we take the whole time to get to your manager, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is like a big question because it is this like big, weird, mysterious thing right next to what the hell is a manager, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I can't answer because it's a secret. But yeah. I... <laughs> Uh, like trans people's genitals. Sorry. That's just, yeah. <laughs> it's different for everyone. That's yeah, point, well, that, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually. they get to, they get to form their own answer about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I talking Sorry, about? Sorry. I'm crossing over my gender fluids podcast now. <laughs> so it's kind of a fluid podcast. Okay. Yeah, there it is. Um, so I'm trying to do all this and, and the purgatory is starting to get some buzz. I start planning. I start thinking at this point, okay, I've set up this speed dating thing. And at the end of the speed dating, I said, you know who I love more than anything else is my career. So I'm going to propose to my career. And I got down on my knees, proposed to a briefcase. And that was like the end of the speed dating thing, knowing that sometime in the next year I wanted to move. And before I moved, I'd do a wedding where I married my career. Mm-hmm. Um, right around that time, I should have done that. I'm getting on my second divorce already. <laughs> I uh, right around that time, um, Chicago Magazine 
named me the best experimental comedian in Chicago, whatever that means. And was I, that a category that they had, or did they create that for you? No, there was a man named Jason Heideman who did so much for our scene. He was like, he had a weekly column just writing up Chicago comedy. Oh. So, so many people would just like get mentioned. And it's not, it's, it, it's not like that, uh, made anybody famous or anything, but, oh, but it helps. It helps promote a show. It helps if you're submitting to something, you can link to that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to use something like that that's like really useful and helpful. I am forever grateful to him. And he's the one that that uh made that happen in Chicago magazine. So like that was I can't even express how how nice that was of him. He got you that credit. Yeah. He truly did. Yeah. Sometimes that credit sometimes that is still the credit that I see listed for myself mm-hmm. uh, and I which is fine you, yeah right yeah, yeah like it, it's like, just wow. so nice it's I, it, because it just says experimental comedian I think it's like an easy like ah okay ah. that's who this guy is like in a uh, in a sentence you know so yeah. I think that that's why it still gets used um but so uh, during all of this, meanwhile, I have a friend from college named Christina, and she, when we right at the end of college, she started interning on a soap opera and was kind of like jumping from different job to different job in LA. She now works at Netflix in trailers or something like that. She, she uh, has had a lot of different jobs because she's great and has got promoted and she worked at Paramount for a while, just done a bunch of different stuff, but not a performer and not even really in comedy. But um, part of the way you get any kind of job in LA is by doing anything whatsoever, no matter what. And one of the things she did was uh, she volunteered for a comedy festival out there where she met my first manager. And so then over the course of the next year and a half, she talked me up. And then this happened right as I started getting some press for Purgatory. I got uh, Experimental Comedian, and all of a sudden I'm on his radar. Mm-hmm. So this all—that's uh, th- that is pure luck. Yeah, you know. And well, it's pure luck, but also a shitload of work that you've been doing for now the past few years. Uh, sure, yeah, but but the work wasn't how can I get this guy's attention? Totally, and that's an important distinction. No, yeah, the work you're doing and in, in the, on because that's what you want to do because that's what you're passionate about. Yeah, but the, the chasing a manager yeah. is. Uh, it's a it's a misnomer. It's like it's not the the thing, you know. In fact, that's the last thing a manager wants. They want to feel like they found you. Mm-hmm. They want to feel like, oh, who is this person? Whoa, I found them. Nobody else could have possibly heard about them, and I better get to them before anybody else does. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to feel that way if you go up to them and say, "You hey, should work with me." Yeah. Which I mean, and I bet that, I bet that there are people who have done that perfectly, and people who have been like, "Give me a chance, prove it." And and that's worked out great. If you know yourself and you have like super good networking and socializing skills, like, yeah, but a lot <laughs> of us comics don't. Um, and that's probably the wrong approach. And I think if, one, if there's one through line about people who've talked about managers, um, it, it's that it's like, I was doing everything I could in my career and they found me because of yeah. this, then this other piece of luck. Yeah. 
trust that your work is good mm -hmm. trust that you're doing it well and trust that when they feel like they can start making money off of you they'll show up right you know and that's really what it is because that's how they're trying to pay their mortgage is making money off of you it sounds gross to say that but it's like that is their job and they have no reason to sign you unless the work that they're doing is going to help them pay their bills you know yeah. uh, that's like the weird it kind of feels gross but then this I try to think of it business. like that yeah. right yeah that is their business that is their job that's more their job I'm willing to do comedy uh, if I'm trying to work out a bit I'll do it for no money whatsoever forever you know mm -hmm. uh, but they can't represent people for no money because how are they going to pay rent you know right and they're not getting that creative expression out of representing right. you so right. <laughs> not as worth it so anyway that's basically how I got my manager so at that point he uh, approached you um, we emailed a bit we mm -hmm. talked he flew but out he to emailed you initially in y'all's communication or it was, it was like you know what I mean because we're talking about this whole like not going up to them and pursuing them was there ever a moment where you actually did have to contact him or so, so what it was here's what it was I um, I visited LA Christina made sure he came to one of my shows mm -hmm. we started talking mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. came to show mm -hmm. yeah but then yeah he emailed me we started talking and then at one point a different manager um okay. said that and i told christina she told him and he was like ah man okay i'm coming to chicago interesting and uh he there was like other reasons for him to be there as well but then that was definitely uh a part of it was signing me no with the knowledge that i was going to move my plan was to move to new york but i told him i was going to move to la because he was in la yes yeah, yeah. and uh then it was like yeah move this summer and then it was like well i just got you on a festival in january and then i was like oh man okay so i'd quit my job so that i can go to this festival and then i'd come back have to find a job so that i can start saving money to move or just suddenly move in three months mm -hmm. and uh, i i did that so that's yeah you moved to la now let's talk about day jobs real quick um Pass. do you do you have a day job right now mm -hmm. no um, when did you quit your last day job? Um, I've had, like, I've, I've done non-comedy work over the years mm -hmm. for the things here and there, but my last, like, consistent day job was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, when I moved away... From there, it was odd jobs and whatever else I could find. Some writing stuff, contributing. You've done some TV shows and things. A little, little bit. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a, one, something. What I'd really want to say about day jobs is I always tried to find day jobs that I wouldn't want to die by the end of the day, mm -hmm. and allowed me to do as much comedy as I could. And if I was lucky, would also be able to write comedy during. Mm -hmm. That meant knowing I was going to switch jobs maybe every few months. Yeah. But uh, like go going, working at a call center for a few months until I could not do it anymore. Um, I worked in summer camps for years, so I have a lot of experience with kids. There's always jobs working with kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, I wouldn't do like nannying or babysitting because that's nights and I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But I like ran recess uh, and uh, did after school programs and stuff and that would be enough to make ends meet. But I would also have to supplement it 
and I would try to find things that would at least somewhat let me try to use comedy. And uh, I, I was a clown at kids' parties, and that paid pretty well. That was like it did, the work didn't come a lot, but it would be like a good boost. And I would dress up as SpongeBob and do all that. I learned balloon animals and magic tricks, and it was and now you've some got of the most embarrassing things. Yes, but also I loved balloon animals as a child and learned the basics when I was eleven. I don't know, I'm a weird <laughs> kid. Cool. Still, I'm still eleven years old. I I, I know I said I was twenty nine. I lied. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did that. I also started right. I started submitting T-shirt ideas to Busted Tees. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they, Busted Tees. Yeah, you get some on there. I I I'm, I, I did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I wonder if I saw some of your T-shirts. They still exist. They do. Yeah, but they they've definitely switched. They're more. I think T Public. I think is okay. kind of what they go by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I at first. I would try to come up with like five ideas and then I was like, wait, I can just submit hundreds of these. Uh-huh. And, um, were you doing artwork or it was just, no, oh, that, that's, that's why so I great. could do this. Right. Yeah. Cause I was not an artist. They would just allow you to, uh, and they would give you a flat fee. They wouldn't, you wouldn't make, um, her shirt but then yeah that was only more incentive to be like i'm going to so over the course of a year i started off submitting five to ten ideas and then by the end of that year i was like i can submit a hundred ideas yeah and that's very easy to do working at a call center that's very easy to do like coming up with t-shirt ideas Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing um it was a great way and it felt kind of creative and a different way to think about a joke and if nothing else it potentially paid so my first few months in LA I was living off of t-shirts yeah yeah that's all I ate wow <laughs> um, good fiber yeah so you quit your day job to move to LA and now you're getting t-shirt income you're still submitting or you're talking about passive income at this point there no because it was a flat fee so I would oh. not yeah um, so yeah I would just be submitting more than ever that, that was like a period of desperately submitting <laughs> yeah, I went from like, oh, these are like kind of fun to like, oh, God, I need this money. That's funny. Um, and so then you, you've you never really had a day job since you moved to L.A., you said. So you've just kind of found various ways to make. But in terms of uh, making money with stand-up, um, do you, can you tell us about like what uh, percentage of your income is coming from stand-up? Oh, man. Off the, I'm so bad even thinking about that stuff. And it switches so much because I mm-hmm. might go a couple months where I'm on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I might go a couple months where I'm not on the road at all. Right. So it, it's hard to break it down like that. But um, Even a ballpark. I'm, I, if I was just guessing, I would say half, but I don't know mm-hmm. that that could be ac- that could be completely inaccurate either way. Gotcha. Um, but I, it, it's more. I think that there's money to be made on the road, and that's like a, a good way to try to do that. I was always like a weirdo, so it was. I wasn't necessarily the best fit for clubs, but I wanted to always try to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Having seven minutes in purgatory, uh, that was like a good festival show because uh, comedians can go on that show. So then the comedians that the festival is booked, it's like slots yeah. for for them. And then so that would that would be money. Um, 
Yeah, the way that making money with stand-up in L.A. works is you do stand-up for no money in yeah. hopes that it gets you something else. Right. In one way or another, basically. So the clubs will, will pay you, but not like a, it's not like living. It's like uh, gas and dinner right. kind of level, in my experience. Right. Um, so when, when you're on the road, uh, are you... And now I assume you have an agent who books these things, but before when you, you were like kind of booking your own stuff and taking your show on the road, what kinds of places were you performing? So before I had any representation, I did um, that first tour of Purgatory that Matt and I booked just ourselves. And that was anywhere from like booking a full movie theater to a coffee shop to uh, there's a great punk bookstore in Denver that we did it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of really like anywhere, anything. Yeah. And working with local comics they were able to really help promote and help book it and then that meant that i could at least break even Mm -hmm. that sort of that that level of um independent independent yeah i uh, you can probably make some money at Mm -hmm. but you'll probably be pretty tight right I try to think like, okay, my goal is to break even and I would love to do better than that. I try to plan for breaking even. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that tour was entirely Megabus. Like that was, oh, yeah. yeah, that, and that, think of the wires and stuff I had to bring with me for that show. <laughs> yeah. I was traveling with, with a tripod, a camera. This is winter in the Midwest. Megabuses are pretty comfy though. You know, they're pretty spacious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, I don't know. There, I mean, there are worse things certainly. Worse things. Yeah. If you get that front seat on the top row. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't. I would still do the Megabus. I'm not above that, but, mm. um, you know, I, you kind of have to brace yourself because yeah, anything can lot. happen on a Megabus. That's a lot. So now when you're touring, are you doing clubs? Um, clubs, festivals, alt rooms. Yeah. Um, I would say that as far as bookings like that go, it's a mixture. Sometimes they'll come from my manager. Sometimes they'll come from my agents. And sometimes there'll be people reaching out to me directly. Yeah. So it really just all representation ends up being kind of like a uh, a tool in your tool belt yeah no that all makes sense My, the picture is getting clearer for me of how everything works um okay so we've covered all this stuff um so what somebody actually asked me to ask you this before the podcast a comic did um in their comment no he's just rooting for the question he's not right. it was on facebook um so for comics who can't or don't want to move to la or new york yeah um but who don't really want this to just be a hobby can you speak to that at all any advice any words of wisdom you want to just tell them not to do it i mean there are people who do that who tour around there are who, yeah my my biggest piece of advice would be to ask them mm-hmm. because that wasn't my path right so uh I would say that if you want to try to build a career the way that I'm trying to do that and the best that I've figured out how to do that is by moving to L.A. or New York. Right. But there are people that don't do that. Right. Um, so my, my advice to that person would be ask somebody who's done that yeah. then can speak to that specifically. Um, 
but it, it can be you have to ask yourself what what you uh, are trying to head towards mm-hmm. and um, I think that there are pluses and minuses to doing that and there are pluses to minuses to moving to the coasts totally now for someone who is uh, planning on moving to LA or New York and I guess we'll make it specifically LA can you give any advice about how you would prepare for that um, what you would do in like let, well let's say someone has decided I'm gonna move in a year you know mm-hmm. kind of a typical thing um, what would you say to do in that year uh For a stand-up, I would say look at your material. Think of like uh, break almost like break your existing material into chunks, and uh, really look if you have like a handful of really strong sets that don't bleed into each other. Because I bet I having thirty minutes of material doesn't mean you have ten. You, you have three ten-minute strong mm. sets, mm-hmm. and if you can have three. 10 minute strong sets that's great to move to a new city because then for the first few months you can kind of oscillate between those with some new jokes thrown in there and mm-hmm. that's like really useful because they don't know you at all mm-hmm. and it's not uh, it's a good idea to show your best stuff straight off the bat because you're trying to get bookings right the hardest part about moving is starting over yeah. you don't know anybody um in chicago you kind of work your way up the ladder and uh, people know that you're a little more consistent than somebody just starting out. They'll throw you up a little earlier. They'll help you out. Um, you're not waiting five hours at an open mic anymore. Right. And you have to be ready to wait five hours right. at an open mic. Are you ready for that? You're not. You think you are? You're not. Right. And that's okay, but you have to like know like this is going to be a bit of a shock. Right. And the, and wherever you move, it's going to be different than what you're used to. That's painful. Right. That's hard. It's it can be scary. It can be weird. That's like a different experience. You said you moved from Boston to Austin mm-hmm. and only places that rhyme. And I gotta find another one. Where am I going next? Though you know. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could come up with a third. Well, yeah, I don't think. Lostin. Lost. Oh, that sounds like a thing. Yeah, Laughlin is a place. Yeah. Lostin space. Thanks. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, just just kind of be ready for that culture shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, do yourself a favor and try to perform in as many different types of places as you can. Mm-hmm. Come to terms with things that you might not do by the end of that time. Try to do everything that you want to do. Uh, reach out and talk to people that are already living there and ask them specific questions about that. If you can visit the place, that's always a good idea. I mean, that's like pretty basic. Yeah. In more than anything, just be ready for things to be different. Yeah. That's the best. It's going to feel different. And sometimes that's scary and painful and just try to go in knowing that. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, when I I went to New York um, last year, or not New York, L.A. last year for the first time, uh, a lot of the comics seem very sad, (laughs) like, (laughs) very much. As opposed to where? Well, I just mean sad about like the ones who had, yeah the ones who had moved to LA though like w- within the past year or two they it, they very much felt like you know I was like oh this really sucks in a way that um, 
Yeah, scared me. I mean, I, I, I would like to move to New York. That would be my. It's like uh, you. That was your plan too. Do you have feelings like I wonder if I had moved to New York, or do you feel like well everything just worked so perfectly for you to move to LA that wasn't even really a choice? Uh, sort of. What's really interesting is that basically my entire generation of Chicago comedians moved to New York. Mm. So, so a lot of my best friends are still in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I am, I keep up with them. I talk on the phone a lot, but um, I guess that's starting to be less true. But for the most part, that's still true. The people that I was really close with are, are in New York. Yeah. Do you feel like it was a good thing for you to break out and do your own thing and go to L.A. instead of hanging Yeah, there? I think I made the right move for, for yeah. me. I mean, it's I'd still love to live in New York at some point, but yeah, yeah. you probably will. Everyone makes the moves. It doesn't seem. Um, but so, when did Comedy Central pick up Seven Minutes in Purgatory? They picked up Comedy. They picked up Seven Minutes in Purgatory. Well, this is how I'm finding out. This is what it says. I'm just Com- kidding. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I, wait, what? That was a bad joke. Okay, no. Which well, is my not. specialty. I okay. take everybody seriously. <laughs> Sorry. This is why I like to perform to no audience. Um, <laughs> which is what a podcast is. Okay. Uh, seven Minutes in Purgatory. Mm-hmm. I I did the High Plains Festival in Denver, oh, yeah. and a guy from Comedy Central saw it. I'm sure my manager was like kind of ushering that along. Um, we were trying to get it in at every festival, and we were doing it in LA to try to like just kind of keep the buzz going. And um, so we started talking at that point. Did you ask when it was picked up for that? Yeah. It was a it was Comedy Central Digital, so it was not on yes. TV. Um, Comedy Central Digital is like one way that they will, um, rather than just doing a pilot that potentially no one will see, they'll right. do a digital series to be like, let's try it out. And then it goes online. And uh, we yeah, if we wanted to make it a TV show beyond that, we could. Mm-hmm. So that's what they wanted to do with Purgatory. And we did one in New York and then one in L.A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you get paid for these things? Yeah. Right? Hopefully. Yeah. They're not just being yeah. like, well. More, more than um, that, though, it's with the idea of like development. Like they're putting... Uh, an amount of money that I was really grateful for. I don't even remember the exact budget, but it's just like <laughs> more money than I had, yeah. you know, to make, um, to make it look really good and like use good equipment and have like good people do it. So more than the money that I made off of that, it mm-hmm. was much more about like, Oh, this is Your great that I'm getting been, to do this. Yeah. Really, right. really elevated. So, um, What's next for you? What do you work? Do you have projects you're working on? Eight do you minutes have- in purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> you won't believe right. the concept. Um, yeah, I mean, a bunch of weird stuff. I'm really putting on a summer camp at the end of September. Um, I'm trying to remake The Godfather. Uh, I know that sounds like a joke, but that's true. Uh, I'm going to believe it at this point. It's true. Your yeah, projects, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, developing TV shows, doing festivals, stand up. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a, a little bit of everything, you know. Um, it kind of seems like you're living your dream, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, is there anything where you're like... I agree. Life feels like a dream. It's kind of... It, I mean, I think he's being serious. Um, it... <laughs> It, I mean, is there anything? Because I usually ask people, like, what do you want your career to look like in a few mm-hmm. years? Or, you know, like, how are you heading toward that? Is is there anything where you're like, oh, I still want this. I still want that. Oh, if I only I could get that, you know. 
is or are you just kind of like working on fun projects that you love it is unavoidable to look around you and compare yourself to other people Mm -hmm. that's i think inescapable on some level you have to be aware of that and know how to manage that Mm -hmm. and i think it's more healthy to say what do i want to do and then just figure out how to do it yeah that can't mean uh okay i want to be the star of a sitcom i'm gonna go be a star of a sitcom you know you can't do that but you can really learn what it means to write a three three camera sitcom Mm -hmm. you know you can put up you can write a a, you can write a script for a three camera sitcom put it on as a play you can uh film it as a web series you know like you can whatever it is um there's a million reasons why not to do something, but mm-hmm. you should find how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get and you're going to learn how to do these things. Right. With anything in life. But you didn't actually answer the question about what you do want to do. Is there anything that you do want to do? You haven't I'm remaking The Godfather. I think I've let my, my okay. imagination so go two. pretty wild here. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. <laughs> I, like, uh, it, at least on Spotify, you don't have an album out. Do you have an album? No, no. I... Um, um, I know what I would do. I know kind of what that would look like, uh-huh. uh, but I have not yet done it. It's just so funny, you know, to hear you be instead of being like, "Well, I should get my, al- I should do an album." You're just like, "Well, I'm going to remake The Godfather." You know, know. <laughs> it's like yeah. the list. I love it. Yeah, it's good to have achievable goals. You right? do have one track on Spotify, which is very good. So oh, thank wants you. To check it out. I think you get like a tenth of a penny every time you listen, right? I've never seen it. No. Oh. <laughs> You're being gypped, so... Or <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get a million dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, appreciate. Um, okay, well, before we ask any other questions, I want to see if anybody in the audience does want to come up. And uh, if I you, really have to pee. Can we take a pause? Let's take a pause. Okay. Sure. I'll be right back. It'll be quick. Okay. Is this weird we're for gonna, everybody? We're going to time it. You can time it. Okay. Let's time it. Don't stop recording. <laughs> um, who wants to take a bet on how long... How long do guys take to pee? Two minutes. They're always back within two minutes, right? That's what my boy. That's what my boyfriend says. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say minute thirty. I forgot. Okay, we were at one three. I got it. No, I think I'm gonna go um, one fifteen. Anybody want to go under me? It's like Price is Right rules. I'll say one oh eight. One oh eight. Okay. I got this. Um, but seriously, we are, when he comes back, we are going to take some time to a- ask questions if anybody has any. But I guess this will be a good time to just... Can you raise your hand if you do want to ask a question? Is anyone? Excellent. Cool. Anybody else? It would be better if we had two, really. So if anyone wants to... I have a question. We got like, did you guys ask questions before? Because I got no no, uh, no, we've just been doing the interview and now I was going to open it up. I kind of just limited that time down since there's not as many people. I figured there wouldn't be as many questions, but y'all got questions? Are you going to ask me a question? I Wait. I ask a question. I wanted to piggyback off of what I'm assuming Pat's question. Yeah. yeah. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So what we're going to do when he comes back is that we're just going to, uh, I'll, I'll say it, but then we'll take turns um, coming up to the mic. This is one fifteen. One fifteen was that my oh one fifteen. Boom, 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 boom. That includes the washing of the hands. You know we have to wash I win. I wish I was going to come up with a prize. And I okay, didn't now who has time. questions about my hand-washing process? <laughs> or any questions. No. Nope. Um, well, okay, only about the hand-washing process, but Pamela, do you have something for that? Sure. Here, so uh, come, to, come up to this okay. mic, Karen. You can ask this question. Um, okay, 
my question. <laughs> so this is, you can introduce yourself if you want. That's fun. I'm Pamela. I'm Pamela Hello, Pamela. We met, we met right before this. Yes. Um, I, so I was wondering, and this is actually great to have you here because you obviously do like such experimental kind of like different work. Um, how do you, especially when you're touring and doing the clubs, how do you make your point of view more accessible to a broader group of people? That's a great question. Wow. That's a very thoughtful question. Thank you. Um, yeah, that uh, that's like something I've thought a lot about and not something people ask me a lot about. So that is nice of you to ask me that. Um, I'm horrible at it. That's the answer. <laughs> no, I, I, I've had to fail a lot. I've had to get like too weird in front of audiences that are like, mm. dude, I came here because my wife and I wanted to have a night out and we kind of expected you to talk about like dating and stuff, you know, which is not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But then that's so much not what I do that they're kind of like, what even is this? Right. I want to like you. What is this? <laughs> um, so the answer for me has been like really trying to figure out crowd work and things like that to uh, like, okay, I'm getting pretty weird for this audience. Let me just talk to you. What are you up to? And reminding them we're kind of in the room together. We're doing that. I find that to be absolutely the most helpful thing for that in the world. It uh, has made those shows where people are kind of looking at me like I'm crazy. If I have talked to them, then at least they're like, oh, okay, he's just kind of crazy, you know? Um, and if the it allows me to have something to go back to and crowd work is very much its own skill and something over the last couple of years, I've really tried to focus on because it is very helpful. Um, taking my time, that like the, just going slower helps a lot because I like to talk fast. I like like a, a quick momentum, but um, remembering slowing it down makes you look more confident too, yeah. which is not what you're thinking when you're speeding up. You think like, ah, I need more energy. I need to throw that more at them, and then you realize so that's true. not true. Ugh. <sighs> Still working on that. That's one of those You're doing great. two steps forward, one step back lessons for me, for sure. Uh, did that answer your question? Oh, yeah. Well, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyone else? Cole, you can come to them. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hey, Nick. Well, you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Nikita Redcar. Hello. Stand up here in Austin. Congrats. Hosting the next show for you. Whoa. Yes. Hey. My best friend. Yes, of course. <laughs> Probably not relevant to whoever's listening to this later, but. It's fine. Get it in. Was that Bye. your full question? What? Was that your full question? <laughs> no, it was not a question. <laughs> Is this relevant? No. Um, Ariel, you can also answer this because I feel like Ariel, you don't answer this. are good at this. But how do you strike a balance between comedy and living your life? And if you do not have a balance, then how do you get there? Or how do you cope? Or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um... I bet that that's a question that spawns the therapy answer a lot. Mm. Uh, that sort of thing. I think that it's tough. And um, there have been times when I'm, I don't do a good job of that. And I think like, you know what? The thing to do is to completely throw myself into my career. And then I unravel. And uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've found that that's not good for me. Yeah. Uh, I wish that uh, <laughs> it was the other way around where it's like I just knew that healthy balance. What do you think? 
It's hard. I feel like my the pendulum, I swing it back and forth on that. And mm-hmm. I've definitely done some time doing way too much and then I've tried to pull it back but then I always get antsy and I think that you can kind of feel it in your body if nothing else you can go you know what just like how your body can feel like you need exercise or whatever you're not getting what you need you can kind of go you know what I feel like I actually need to be doing more writing or I actually need to be up up more nights or whatever it is for you Um, and then there's other times where you're going oh my god I'm getting sick every other week and I'm miserable or whatever you know maybe I should uh, watch a movie or something you know that's a good answer. Well, thank you. It's yeah, just a I think const- it's an everyday struggle with me. Every yeah. day, you know, beating yourself up. Am I, I'm not working hard enough or beating yourself up working too hard. I just, you know. That's very much not what popped into my head. And I think you're, you're right. Just kind of listening to yourself and what your physical and mental health is telling you is yeah. a good idea well and so, something that one of the comics who has done this podcast talked about is you know that he didn't he didn't get that balance until way too late and the whole point of doing stand-up as a career I think for most of us is because we're like oh I want to do something with my life that I love that I'll enjoy that I'm passionate about like this is what I want to do with my life what we don't want to do is be miserable while we're doing it what would be the point you may as well be an accountant right so you have to figure out and maybe that means that your career isn't going to reach the heights that you think you want it to but if you're happy and you're still moving forward that's probably better than being miserable and achieving other things that you think are your dreams but we say that and then i go no when i want to reach the heights of you know so i'm hoping that that's the path that the good lord has seen fit to draw out for me but we'll just see um okay uh wait we have some more questions Wait, hold on. Let's get Crystal. Yeah, come on. Hey, what's up, man? Hello, Crystal. Nice to meet you. Hey, guys. So, this is Crystal. Uh, yeah, it's me, guys. They, they know me. Uh, I've So I'm a two-year comic, kind of young here in Austin. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm one of those people who has to work under pressure. I work best under pressure. So I have to set deadlines and know that I'm probably going to pass that. But... Yeah. So piggybacking off of that one question about moving, um, is it realistic to kind of say, hey, I'm going to move to New York or L.A. and I'm going to give myself one year to see what I'm going to do and kind of give yourself a deadline to meet your goals and then, you know, kind of have to come back home as your say you're not doing really well and coming back home is your gold at the end you know your prize at the end um and i know it'd be hard to answer because you would have to say okay you know here's the time to accept surrender or to give up but at what point would you say is a good time to establish tenure in a new city um comedy wise where you're not waiting five hours at an open mic and you know you can just kind of get in and get out or like make those connections that you want to get like what is a good time you know is it like six months is it eight months instead of 12 months is it 24 that's thanks yeah well are you asking um 
<clears throat> how long do you think it should be before you get comfortable? Or are you saying, uh, you said surrender. Are you saying like, how long should I wait before I give up? <laughs> yeah, before you give up and go home. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, you like having established, you know, like what's the point in time where you have to wake up and say, okay, I'm not winning anything in this city. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should go home or maybe I should go to a new city. You know, not necessarily just give up on comedy, but where you accept that, hey, this city isn't really my flavor. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, it's definitely probably different for everyone. I. I think that uh, very early on, I reached out to a. uh, This is actually a better answer. (laughs) Um, Very early on. A comedian named Joe Wangert who has written on a bunch of stuff I reached out to him for advice in a very basic way and he gave a lot he gave a really thoughtful long answer and then he ended it by saying um, you know I really I don't like I, I, I'm, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to feel like I'm discouraging anybody but um, if you if you feel like you can do anything other than this consider doing that because mm-hmm. this is uh, hard it's painful and it's not easy it's not um, it, it's there's a lot of sacrifice it's not good if you feel like you can do something else really consider that and I really I appreciated him saying that so much it was it was a very thoughtful nice way of him saying it and I just said uh, I, I took some time and really considered that and so from that point for me I knew like you know what I think that one way or another this is what I want to do and that can shift that can adjust there's a million different ways other than just being a stand-up especially just being a touring stand-up comedian there's so many other different things that you can do but I think I would say meditate on that and um, then beyond that, it's really just about listening to yourself and thinking like, you know what, have I, have I done what I want to do here, wherever here is? And where else could I go to learn the things I want to learn or do the things I want to do? Yeah. No, I think that's a great answer. Um, we only have a couple of minutes. Um, Robert, do you have a very quick question? We've got to do it real quick. So we have to do some endorsements and plugs. Um, I basically want to give you a compliment on the funeral thing. I think oh, it's, I think thanks. it's above genius. Oh, that's kind. So my question is, what were people paying to go to a funeral? <laughs> that's a that's funeral, a man. Question. You don't charge. That's a good point. That said, we had a ceramic football. People put money funeral. in if they wanted. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, okay. So real quick, Thank let's you. do some endorsements. Um, or actually, real quick, do you have any advice that you haven't given yet that you just want to give to young comics? Yeah. Anytime you're on a podcast, end with endorsements. Good. It's important. Important because that way you can you know kiss someone's ass or something whatever that's what I'm doing um, actually what, so what I'm doing with endorsements now is uh, I just want you to pick a comic who's not really famous but who probably does have something on the internet that we could find um, that we should check out yeah um <clears throat> I mentioned Tim Barnes. Uh, we went to high school together. He's, just, I think he's writing sketches for Comedy Central now. He mm-hmm. worked on Wyatt's and Act show last year, but he's the best. I think he has stand-up on YouTube, mm-hmm. and 
he's just wonderful. That's awesome. I love these endorsements. Um, and I'm just going to pick some, because I haven't been watching a lot of stuff online or anything lately, but last night I had Gara Lonning on my show, um, the off script where people can heckle, and she was she's 21, and she is incredible. Anyway, she's That's been doing awesome. stand-up for two years. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, God. But anyway, so... Uh, you're on your own path, and you're doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so if you have a chance, those of you who are here uh, to see her in the festival, I highly recommend that. And then, um, yeah, I'm sure she's got stuff on the internet. Or if you live in New York, uh, you'll run into her. She's got women's shit. Um, so anyway, let's also do some plugs. I don't know if there's anything you want uh, listeners to check out of yours online. Yes. Tomorrow, 2 p.m., I'm going to the Museum of the Weird. Okay. And I want all of you to come with me. I might do that. Please. Um, I've never been. I've been meaning to go to there. And it's just, it's, you never get around to going to the museums in your own town. Right. Know? It's right down the street. Right I'm so there. serious. We please show up tomorrow for the Museum of the Weird, please. <laughs> That's when I'll be entering. Boom. I'll be, I love it. Got it. Great. I I'm so this. pumped. Yay. Activities. Love it. Great. The Happy first. to see anybody there. <laughs> sure. Cool. Um, and I, all I just want to plug, um, of course, if you are listening to this podcast, you like podcasts, listen to my Gender Fluids podcast. Uh, it's gross. And uh, then also, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, I am in Colorado all week. So go to arielmormon.com and come to one of my shows and find it. Wait, is that everything? Did I do that even faster than I meant to? Yay! We did it. So great. Right. Round of applause for Ian Abramson, everybody. Thank you. I so appreciate his time being here, and I hope everyone got something out of this. All right. And, oh, yeah, um, let's do a word from our sponsors. Because I got emailed about this. Um, guys, let's give it up for our sponsors. Start clapping now for Hideout Theater, Woo! Fallout Theater, Cold yeah. Town Theater, The Institution Theater, The Velveeta Room. Can we get a woo for the... Okay. Thank you. The City of Austin Cultural Arts Division, Alpinista Consulting, RCRD, Orf Brewery. Let's check them out. Steve Rogers Photography and hashtag OOBFest on Instagram and Twitter, y'all. Belvita Room has shows every Friday and Saturday and the Speed Mike on Thursday. Have a good night.